Well, that's great. So you uh, heard, you guys are going to hear um, live Midas Touch, the weekend show right now. Uh, we're in a constitutional crisis and we just don't realize it or want to admit it. And um, I just tweeted, tagged Michael Popak and KFA legal Karen Friedman Magnifilo about this. This is why we must disqualify him now and uh, from public office and incarcerate him. He's just like, he's a, I think he's a fucking antichrist. Malignant narcissist. Prize, keep your eyes on the prize. <sighs> Trista for praise, Trump for prison. <laughs> I'm hungry. I made some like teriyaki. Okay, I said Trump has same um, psychological profile as Jim Jones. <laughs> Antisocial sociopath, malignant narcissist. First, I think he. I think he's the Antichrist. Okay, I said Trump at T-Rump has same psychological profile as Jim Jones. Antisocial sociopath, malignant narcissist. I think he's the Antichrist. We must disqualify him at once. Number one national priority prize emoji. So when I go out to the dog park here, right, <laughs> the very first thing everybody asks me every single day is, hey, listen, is Trump going to jail? Where are they going to put him if he goes to jail? <laughs> so nobody knows how to answer this question. But the, 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 the almost comedy of it, the lies...
Oh, the first call. Doge. DOJ, 202, 5, Just step for prison. It's 4,000 people who are like-minded, Midas Touch people. How Midas Midas. it is, and what a bad job we are of really doing, of really discussing this in an intelligent way in American media. Now, some credit to American media, they did a, they, 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 they did a good job. I said to avert a full-on constitutional crisis, we must disqualify him at once. DOJ 202-504-2000, Christopher Price, Trump for prison. The kind of, like, charges themselves, okay? The, like, details and people give a context, but then it's stopped. And... The question, and so one of the interesting things, right, is that you saw, you saw the point that the one thing that could change from his mind is if he's in jail. So he's on the defensive now because he knows that this is slowly chipping him at his base. Maybe not in a sort of like. Can you imagine the awesome expression on his face when we just. Priceless. Disqualify him. DOJ. Can you imagine the awesome look on his face when he is disqualified? Ha <laughs> Priceless. Christopher Prez. Trump for prison. Disqualify him, DOJ 202-514-2000. Can you imagine the awesome look on his face when he's disqualified? LOL emoji, priceless. Popcorn. Barely still clicking on. Like, I don't know what this is like. Vote for consistency and just some calm. And, and right. Trump represents chaos. But if you, Omar, if you have a situation where you're not even certain if the former commander-in-chief can go to jail, then it almost kind of nullifies this whole process, because what's the end game to him going to all of these cases right. and then being right. up in front of these judges and juries if he can't go to jail? Like, what's the point? Yeah. And
Joseph for prayers. Can't wait for that day. Okay, I'm gonna make it that into a ta uh, a um 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 what do you call it? <clears throat> Hashtag disqualify Trump two oh two five and four two thousand. Can you imagine the hilarious look on his face when he's disqualified? I will make a painting of that. Can't wait for that day. It's my number one national priority for America right now. Y'all need to make, y'all need to make priorities your shit at planning. Jojo left us home in Tucson, Arizona for some California grass. Get back. And my personal feeling is he will never be incarcerated. Get back to where you once belonged. A, because he's too old. B, because of the security situation. But C, because he's never going to shut his trap about this. It's a bit like... The, the, the Tiger King prisoner who kind of keeps communicating to the outside world about uh, about his right, essence. Right, right. Trump will never stop lying. He will never shut up about this, whether he's in under house arrest or or you know out and free. This, right. this will not end until he passes away. No, no. This this will never end. This will never end. You remember when we talked about America trying to end things? Trump is the ultimate example. Right. Spent his whole life outlining that. He's hoping that he can outline this too. And we all know it. Now, the question that you raise is, is exactly the right one. Is he going to be able to outline it? So, one of the ways that I would answer this is a very theoretical way to answer your question. Maybe it doesn't help anybody, but listen, when countries have democratic collapses, they generally tend to, if they really want to bring perpetrators to justice, they generally tend to employ special processes of justice. Okay, so they set up special courts, special tribunals, and there are special charges and special issues. The problem in the states is that we have never come close to doing such a thing, and we didn't do it in this case. So we are attempting to try what is basically a special crime in our everyday judicial system. Which is a very, very difficult thing to do. Right? There's a reason that Hague exists. And the Hague exists because to try all these terrible kinds of crimes from around the world, you couldn't just put somebody on trial in their local everyday justice system. You can't have justice for such a crime. So we didn't do that. 
What we got instead was Merrick Garland appointing a special prosecutor working within the confines of the existing system. Which the rights are claiming is weaponized. Right, which the writers are already claiming is rigged and weaponized in the whole nine months. So, this is why we're at an impasse. Okay? It's very difficult to hold uh, perpetrators to account for these crimes within the confines of your everyday justice. And that everyday justice isn't meant to try like pink and white collar and blue collar and no collar crimes. It isn't meant to really try crimes of this grave, like fascist, authoritarian, cruel nature. It struggles to do that, and it always will. take Trump out of the U.S., like when he went and made that speech at the, at the U.N., mm -hmm. and everyone laughed at him. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that reaction, <laughs> right? Yeah. That, is, that should be, as you say, whether it be The Hague or the International Criminal Court or the European Court of Human Rights or any of these big international courts, it would change the dynamic. Because as long as he is in the U.S., especially if he's in Manhattan District, he is going right. to be the king of the castle. And, and he's going to be the king. And he was completely right. out of his death. Right. He's going to be the king of the castle for another reason, which is that he knows how to manipulate and play the media incredibly. And for some reason, they're still falling for it. Right. It's like what's well, he's on years later. It's right. advertising. It's advertising. It's, it's, it's the money, right? So they're still going for it. So this crazy, vicious cycle is still going on. Where Trump will say something insane, and then we will go up, and then we'll back to square one, right? And in the middle of all this, all these larger points that we've discussed, they completely collapsed. And the average American who's living this life of fear and despair and stress and worry is like, hey, what do I do about this? Do I, am I like supposed to believe the, the Democrats and they say that the economy's great, but for me it just sucks and maybe it'll get better in like 10 years, but is that too late? And, and if they're going after just, Trump, they're going to be coming after me next. They're going to be coming after me. and Batten down yeah, the hatches so yeah. sale of firearms goes right. up. Because people exactly. are protecting exactly. themselves. Right. So, so we have really hard... So that, right, what you just brought up, that's a really advanced indicator of yeah. social collapse, right? right? These are serious indicators of social collapse. When we see suicide rates skyrocketing and arms sales rising, it's a big deal. And, and on some level, you know, we don't, part of the problem is that we don't, we're really addressing this stuff, right? We're letting the lunacy dictate the terms of the conversation over and over again, every day. And, and the vicious cycle just continues. And in the middle of it, you know, I always come back to the one thing that I know to be true from the statistics, which is that a nation's politics and a nation's future depend in some sense on what is the actual state of people's lives and how are leaders talking to them? What are leaders saying to them? So, in America, people are living terrible lives. And life is tough out there. You don't have to look very hard to see it. But the problem that we is that when we have one side of politics saying, hey, things are great, all we have to do is hang in there and things will continue to get better, and the other side offering people scapegoats and you know, all kinds of innocent targets. Conspiracies. Conspiracies and lunacy and God knows what, right? So this is a, this is a losing strategy, if you ask, right? Because the average person, much more likely to turn to the demagoguery and the scapegoating, and they are to think that they have the strength to hang in there for however long it's going to take for this rent plan to work. So something on our side needs to recognize how badly people are doing it. 
even if they won't tell you. Because as Americans, we don't like to admit that. Nobody wants to come out and say, hey, I'm struggling, my life sucks, things are hard, I can't believe it, right? So nobody wants to say that. But is it worth talking about American exceptionalism and how this idea, because, you know, you talk about outrunning it, and I think that's so interesting, the idea that you can outrun it, except it reminds me of Indiana Jones running away from the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, vis visually, nobody expects Indiana Jones to get crushed right, and not to right. be able to make another movie again. Right, right. But that's the reality of the U.S. Uh, social system... And, and economy, and it's not Joe Biden's fault. See, this is the other thing, isn't it? People are obsessed no, with apportioning blame. It's like, if, oh, well, you know, you either have Trump's economy or you have Biden's economy. It's neither of them. It's the American economy, and right. it's the exactly world right. economy. Look, and it's this irrelevant stuff goes, which right, leader exactly right. is in the world. Look, Anthony, this stuff goes way... Look, one of the problems, big problems that we have in America is that, exactly as you said, we apportion blame, right? And we apportion blame in order to build a very simple mental model of, like, a cause and effect. So if it's that guy's fault, he must be the cause of it, and that's where we can stop thinking. And it takes the pressure yes. off of us. And it takes the pressure off of us. Yeah. If we've, got, we've got our explanation, right? Yeah. It's not that simple. So... No, it's, it's in the modern context. It's one of the ideas that we discussed shortly a little while ago, which was the idea that America is the only rich country that doesn't have to evolve we can show right now. We can show right now. Exclamation point. Live. Midas touch. Just qualify Trump now. Just so we can see his face. It's already those things, isn't it? There is no healthcare system. It's just a profiteering, racketeering system. The roads are already crumbling because of the heat. Education is on its knees. So all of these systems have crumbled because we have believed in this exceptionalist myth. So the problem that we face, and it's a very strange thing, is that we still think, thanks to the propaganda coming from a certain side, that we are going to be able to drive around these problems. <laughs> the problems have already caught up with us. They're right in front of us. It's a mystery, right? That, that the average American struggles of healthcare, in bills, savings, all these things. We and must. So, uh... Problems of underinvestment have already caught up with us. And the problems of not having a. Exclamation point. Called Midas Crisis Midas Mighty Call DOJ social contract that already caught up with us. We are not recognizing that in that, right? Okay, listening to this great interview. Usually weekend shows not this great. <laughs> but the live chat is over. Alas. Okay. Right, we're listening to the weekend show. Over and over again, every day. 
and, and the vicious cycle just continues. And in the middle of it, you know, I always come back to the one thing that I know to be true from the statistics, which is that a nation's politics and a nation's future depend in some sense on what is the actual state of people's lives and how are leaders talking to them. What are leaders saying to them? So, in America, people are living terrible lives. And life is tough out. You don't have to work very hard to see it. But the problem that we is that when we have one side of politics saying, hey, things are great, all you have to do is hang in there and things will continue to get better. Scapegoats and you know, all kinds of innocent targets. Conspiracies. Conspiracies and lunacy and God knows what, right? So this, this, is a, this is a losing strategy, yes. Right? Because the average person much more likely to turn to the demagoguery and the scapegoating and they are to think that they have the strength to hang in there for however long it's going to take for this rent plan to work. So something on our side needs to recognize how badly people are doing it, even if they won't tell you. Because as Americans, we don't like to admit that. Nobody wants to come out and say, hey, I'm struggling, my life sucks, things are hard, I can't believe it on the right, so nobody wants to say that. So is it worth talking about American exceptionalism and how this idea, because, you know, you talk about outrunning it, and I think that's so interesting, the idea that you can outrun it, except it reminds me of Indiana Jones running away from the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, vis visually, nobody expects Indiana Jones to get crushed right. and not to right. be able to make another movie again. Right, right. But that's the reality of the U.S. Uh, social system and, and yeah. economy. And it's not Joe Biden's fault. So this is the other thing, isn't it? People are obsessed no, with apportioning blame. It's like, you know, oh, well, you know, you either have Trump's economy or you have Biden's economy. It's neither of them. It's the American right. economy. And right. it's the exactly world right. economy. Look, and this, it's this irrelevant stuff goes, which right, leader exactly right. is in the world. Look, Anthony, the, this stuff goes way... Look, one of the problems, big problems that we have in America is that, exactly as you said, we apportion blame, right? And we apportion blame in order to build a very simple mental model of life a cause and effect. So if it's that guy's fault, he must be the cause of it, and that's where we can stop thinking. And it takes the pressure it's, off of us. And it takes the pressure off of us. Yeah. We've, got, we've got our explanation, right? Yeah. It's not that simple. So, American exceptionalism, what, what is it about? Well, at the, at the root of it, you know, it's, it's in the modern context, it's one of the ideas that we discussed shortly, a little while ago, which was the idea that America is the only rich country that doesn't have to evolve towards becoming a social media. We can be a country that has a consumption rate of 80% and an investment rate of just 20%, and things are going to be okay for us. Instead of, you know, with such a low investment rate, we're not going to have health care, we're not going to have good schools, we're not going to have decent roads, and everything with climate change happened because our infrastructure will be good. So, well, it's already those things, isn't it? It's there already is those no things. health care system. Right. There is just so, a so, profiteering, racketeering right. system. The roads right. are already exactly. crumbling because exactly. of the heat. Education is on its knees. So all of these systems have crumbled because we have believed in this exceptionalist myth. So the problem that we face, and it's a very strange one, is that we still think, thanks to the propaganda coming from a certain side, that we are going to be able to gather on these problems. Even though the problems have already caught up with us. They're right in front of us. It's a mystery, right? That, that the average American struggles get healthcare, or pay the bills, or savings, or all these things, right? So 
problems of underinvestment have already caught up with us, and the problems of not having a modern social contract have already caught up with us. We are not recognizing that enough, right? On, on either side of our politics, and I really mean that. So, obviously, on the right, the idea of a social contract is like the handmaid's tale or something at this point, right? But on the center and the left, what is our idea of a social contract? We don't, it's not really there, right? It's not fully formed. It's like, even if you want to go towards binomics and tell me how great it is, and I agree, it's great, fine, fine, but it's not fully fleshed out social function. Right? So we so this poem goes back decades. That's why I say it's a, this is not like Biden's fault or this guy's fault, anybody's fault. This is a much deeper problem. Let me give you an example that may help it make sense. One of the countries one of the two countries in the world has managed to do two things very successfully um, lately restrain their far right and control their inflation rate is Spain. Okay, so they managed to beat back its far right to a lot of people's surprise. Right? And it managed to control its inflation rate. So how did it control its inflation rate? So a combination of things like rent controls, price controls, taxes, all the stuff that we would never ever really do in the States. Why is that possible in a country like Spain? It is because they're able to have probably a more sophisticated and nuanced discussion about these things. They're over to the window as much people, right? And people are allowed to connect these causalities in a way that is much more comprehensive than just it's that guy's fault or it's this guy's fault. It's and geographically, I think people forget that in Europe, we have conversations that cross cultures. Absolutely. We look to other yeah. nations. You know, in, yeah. in the UK, we always used to refer to the Scandinavian nations yeah. with, with the quality of life. Yeah. The U.S. being an isolated continent, yeah. where its its closest relation is Mexico and Canada, it's not really able. I mean, no. I, I'm surprised that the U.S. doesn't look to Canada. It just takes it's, the it's out strange, of right? It's Canada so strange. It's so, so weird. Well yeah, it's so it's so strange to me because at this point in human history, when I look at the stats, Canada is one of the most successful societies in human history by by like light years, right? Canadians are like so. Have such good lives. Thank your lucky stars if you're Canadian. Thank Pierre Trudeau if you're Canadian. So it's amazing. And this is one of the big problems in the States, right? Is that we go back to the How is it that this is a country that step across a fictional border and everything yeah. is different? And it's, it's literally right there, right? So free, free healthcare and socialized medicine, education. Yeah, I, right. I often it's tell my own story of growing up in the States, right? And you can imagine what life was like for a brown kid in those days. It was not easy, let me tell you. Yeah. So I got accepted to college in Canada. I didn't know what Canada was at the time. I thought Canada was like, you know, Vermont Part 2 or something. So I get on the train. I go up to Canada. I don't come out of my dorm room for a month. Because these kids are so nice. I've never seen people be nice to, this nice to each other growing up in the way that I did in the States, right? I'm convinced that behind this niceness is some kind of sinister front that's totally, like, super fascist or something. So I talk to anybody from them. And then I started making friends and everything. So it is a totally different society. In, in it, and I raise the point of niceness because all of this comes down to norms in a way. And it's much deeper than, like, economics or just politicians or this guy or that it's about norms it's about what do we believe in and hang together for as a society
But Canada's norms are really, really special. People are really kind and tolerant and gentle with each other in Canada. And that's just not just an airy-fairy thing. It's why they're able to invest together and have functioning systems. It's what makes them such a successful society. That is what powered Europe ahead until, in the last few years, the far right has emerged, preying on people's insecurities. So, in America, we never have that discussion. Right? We never have this discussion of, like, there's no question anymore. Right? So, let me put it to you differently. Today, I was writing about why is the suicide rate skyrocketed in the last few years. And, I mean, I know that. We all know why. It's because American life is brutal. It's one stressor after the other. You can't pay a job you don't want to go to, vacation time you'll never have, a retirement that you can never afford, a house that you always feel you're on the edge of losing. We all know why it's so hot. You can fall through the cracks at any moment, everything's gone, and it's over. But, we, but the norm is that we don't even discuss that much. So we never have a discussion about our norms in America. We never have a discussion about, well, how did it become normalized to treat each other this way? How did it become normalized not to discuss our problems in a, in a mature way? How did it become normalized to kind of say, hey man, I want to take something away from you, your rights or your... It doesn't matter, right? So that, that level of discussion in America is, is what we don't have, and that is where America is a really different society. Even if you go to Asia, norms are completely different. Like, it's chill, right? It's cool. Like, everybody's hanging out. It's communitarian society. Sunflower. with close-knit elders and family units and all nine yards. Hold on. Um,